mixed martial arts and boxing fans. It's time for Fighters Fury, inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Oh, yeah, everybody. Good Sunday morning. Welcome on in. It is Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you for the next hour. We will dive all over the world in mixed martial arts and boxing and break down. What was an action-packed Saturday night? I'll tell you that much. Saturday day, really, because we had the whole thing in Saudi Arabia to break everything down and everything that was going down with Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz, the heavyweight championship of the world, was uh, was being challenged for as AJ was looking to get himself right after really just an awful, awful loss that he took to Andy Ruiz past June, and he was able to recapture his belts. AJ did a, a marvelous, marvelous job boxing. Um, I think showed a lot of people some new things uh, with his ability to box, especially his ability to keep guys at range and, and, and not really let Andrew Weiss put him in any danger to hit him with one of those uh, those shots on his head, quick hands, and all the things that he brought in that first matchup. Um, so, yeah, if you're going to look at it from that standpoint, if it was a, a game plan that AJ was looking to execute yesterday, he did that He did that to a, a really, really great degree. Um Nearly a shutout. I think you know there was probably a couple rounds, you know, seven, eight, where you could say, all right, those those were Andy's rounds. He 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 got to his head a little bit, but you know, for the most part, just really no danger to, to the point where there was almost no danger. Where I can't say I didn't come out of this with a little disappointment in Anthony Joshua's performance for this reason: um, the way he lost that last fight. To Andrew Ruiz, you know, we talked about this last week. I felt that there was too much that went wrong for him in that last matchup for him not to be better this upcoming week. Taking Andrew Ruiz seriously, knowing that Andrew Ruiz can finish him, uh, knowing the type of work that he was putting into this camp, uh, the weight that he lost, a lot was made of the weight between Andrew Ruiz and Anthony Joshua, whether Andrew Ruiz was going to be bigger. Uh, he said that he was going to come in slimmer, better for this fight. People said, no, don't, don't lose weight, be fatter. He took that. He he definitely took that advice. Uh, Anthony Joshua, same way. Oh, do you have to lose all this muscle? He was talking with Vladimir Klitschko about you know stop being a CrossFit champion, go out there. You don't have to go and lift all these weights. Um, so it was going to be interesting because there was so much made about it. You wondered how much it actually mattered because in the end, I don't know if it really mattered that AJ lost all of that weight um, and, and lost eleven pounds to to beat Andy Ruiz. I mean, he really just fought a safer fight, didn't really didn't really expel too much energy from from the standpoint of he never really went for broke in this fight. So there wasn't really any case where he would be he would be having to 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 reach deep into that guy. I think he taught, he fought a very controlled, a very a very disciplined, a very a, a very savvy fight. And so I don't know how much him losing the weight really mattered. Uh, a lot was made of Andy Ruiz and, and all the weight that he put on in this fight. I don't know how much of that mattered. You know, uh, yes, he was a little bit fatter. Here's the thing. What mattered with, with Andy being 15 pounds heavier, 18 pounds heavier, this is what mattered. One, um, he he clearly fell into the trap of he's the champ, given all these riches, 
and didn't know how to handle that. I don't think it really mattered fight-wise that he was bigger because his skill set, that hand speed, we still saw flashes of it in the fight. He was just fighting a guy who was fighting a much more measured type of type of bout. AJ was not going to engage in a spot where he could get hurt. The, the only thing I'd say with AJ is when, when we, it, there was a big moment in that opening round where – you know, he hits him with this, you know, he he's showing the range, he's hitting him with the jab, and then he hits this lightning right hand that cuts Andy Ruiz open real early. And I think everybody, I was in a room full of people, were all thinking, oh no, this is gonna be this is gonna be quick work for AJ against Andy Ruiz. And he did just enough to not make Andy Ruiz want to engage. So you gotta give him props for that. I mean, he made the guy Nervous about going for broke like Andy did in those first couple fights. Remember, the third round where everything really changed, he put Andy Ruiz on the canvas, and then Andy had to really come and fight desperate. Seventh round, kind of the same way. Anthony was starting to get his his wits about him, and Andy Ruiz kind of just went for broke and, 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 and pummeled him in the seventh round. In this fight, we got an Anthony Joshua who made Andy Ruiz question whether or not there was a there was a right spot to go in there and, and and really go for broke and take that fight. However, we're in this weird spot with the heavyweight division where there's there's even though Anthony Joshua now has more belts than anybody else, just like Andy Ruiz did, there's really those belts don't matter. Right now the, the it's it, it is the it is the court of public opinion it is all of us here as boxing fans of who is the man? Who is the man at the heavyweight division? Is it is it Anthony Joshua who has most of the belts? Is it Deontay Wilder who has who has the WBC championship? Is the is the longest reigning heavyweight champion? Who is the scariest man to walk into the boxing ring? Is it Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight champion, who is still yet to lose? Got up like the Undertaker, um, and a lot of people felt was robbed against Deontay Wilder. Who is the man? Who is the man at the heavyweight division? Who is the guy that we could say is is the 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 most prestigious champion in all of boxing? A, a a championship that goes back to the start of the century, where everybody just looks about uh, to the start of last century, where everybody looks upon it and say that's the guy that is the most prestigious title in the world, because we have been going so long with you know multiple belts going over here. Then we had the Klitschko era where. You know, nobody really gave a rat's ass about it. He was fighting at 4 p.m. in Germany. Um, it, it just didn't have this, the same same prestige. And now we're finally at a time where we're begging for all these guys to fight each other and so much money can be made. And they're, they're all just kind of prancing around each other. We can't just get something to happen. So, you know, with AJ, I, I thought that, yes, it was important to get his belts back. It was a fight that he could not lose. And that's how he fought. He fought like that was a fight he could not lose. And so he got the win. He got a lopsided win. But did he really, did AJ go out there and did he make a statement to not only the fans, but the rest of the heavyweight division, namely Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder? And I don't really think he did. I don't really think he did. He showed that with taking Andy Ruiz seriously, that he could outbox him, keep him at a distance, stay away from danger, but fought a pretty cautious fight and spent a lot of the second half of that fight on his bicycle. 
you know, was still hitting him with some big hooks and some and, and, and a serious jab. And you gotta appreciate the beauty of that. I'm not trying to 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 rain on the sweet science. But you got another guy in this champion in this division who holds a belt. He's not about the sweet science. You know, Deontay Wilder is not about the sweet science. His sweet science is knock your head off. To 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 put you on the canvas and make sure you don't get up. And AJ, you know, when these guys were supposed to be on the crash course for each other, uh, to be, you know, the biggest boxing match that we've had since Floyd Mayweather versus Mike, Manny Pacquiao, you know, AJ was still finishing guys, and he was going out there and was still ab- obliterating guys. He was the more charming, you know, British champion and carried himself with uh, with a prestige and and Deontay was more the, the, the wild guy who was going to go in there and, and knock your head off and didn't have the, the skill set or the, the, the prestige of the British fan base, this, this rebel champion. And, you know, for right now, you know, good, AJ got his belts back. It's, it, it, it's, it's a great accomplishment. He's a two-time heavyweight champion of the world. But I'm still going to have in my mind what Andy Ruiz did to him, and that was humiliate him last June. Really, really embarrassed him in front of a Madison Square Garden audience. And he had the opportunity to avenge that. I felt like he had that opportunity in this fight to finish off Andy Ruiz like he was finished off last June. And instead, he kind of played it safe. I mean, he did play it safe. Let's just say it. He played it safe. And so, great. He's champion again. He, he won a fight that he couldn't afford to lose if he lost that fight. You know, who knows what his career is from then from then on. But, you know, you have him and you have Andy Ruiz. They're hugging afterwards. And then Ruiz is like, third fight, third fight. And AJ's like, yeah, third fight, third fight. I'm like, does anybody want to really see a third fight after watching that? Because I don't. I don't. Here's what I saw. I saw when there's a, a full camp and there's time to prepare. Andy Ruiz is going to be undisciplined. When he didn't go for... Because remember, when Andy Ruiz first fought AJ, he was just coming off of a fight camp. So he was in fight camp. And then he basically went right into the AJ fight. So no chance for him to to to, to get fat, to, to have all the stuff, and not a lot of prestige going around it. You know, but who, ca- who cared about Andy Ruiz at that point from, from the standpoint of, you know, a celebrity factor? But with time to prepare, who's going to take it more seriously? Anthony Joshua. Andy lost that opportunity. He could have, he could have, Stayed in shape. He could have taken it seriously. He could have shown that he wasn't a fluke, and he didn't. So I'm not into that. But AJ going out there, you know, he took on a guy who basically didn't didn't train, and he couldn't finish him. Ask me if I want to see a third fight. Go ahead, ask me. Is Steve, you want to see this done? Steve, you want to see a third fight? No. 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 I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm, I'm out. I'm out on a third fight with those guys. And it's been long enough. It's been long enough with the heavyweight division and this debate that we have. Who's the guy? You know, Eddie Hearn, they all want to, you know, pat themselves in the back. Yeah, you all doubted us. It's like, we shouldn't have. We shouldn't have even had to be in the spot where we were doubting you. You guys, you guys didn't even take this this last fight that he had against Andrew Ruiz seriously. And he got knocked on your ass. Excuse us if we're going to do some questioning. But to say is AJ all the way back. After that performance, I go, no, I don't think so. Right now, if you really had to say, yeah, he's got all the belts. But if you had to say, who, who, are, the, who are the main guys at heavyweight? Wilder, Fury, then AJ. 
That's it. That's the, that's the list right now. AJ's not up there. I don't care how many belts he has. You know, throw a crown on him if you want to. Give him one of those uh, giant trophies if you want to. Doesn't matter. He went out there. He beat a guy who he was supposed to beat the last time easily. A guy who didn't take this fight seriously. And he couldn't finish it. Didn't come close to finishing it. And you guys all want to sit here and, 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 and glad hand yourself because you went and you, you boxed marvelously against a guy that you're a half a foot taller than. That's what you're supposed to do. So, I, I, all I know is this. Imagine imagine if Deontay Wilder was in there with Andy Ruiz and thinks that he's going to play it safe. Andy, Deontay Wilder doesn't play it safe against anybody. He doesn't play it safe against Luis Ortiz. He doesn't play it safe against Tyson Fury. And maybe some of you will say, well, that's because he doesn't have the boxing skill set. Who cares? Who cares? He's never been, he's never been defeated. Whatever you want to say about the Tyson Fury fight. Afterwards... Tyson Fury was not victorious. So, if I'm going to be told, okay, who's the man? Deontay, Wilder, or AJ? AJ's third on that list. He is. Give him all the trophies you want. That's fine. But he's not where he was a year ago. He's not. He's still got a long way to go. He could have, I think he could have erased all of that. I think he had the opportunity in this fight with what he showed early goings, with his speed, with his range, with his willingness to throw that right hand. Did anybody see him throw a right hand in that fight besides, until he, uh, after, after he cut Andy Ruiz? Do you remember a right hand that he hit Andy Ruiz with? Because I don't. He put it in his pocket. He goes, boom, one shot, and then we never saw it the rest of the time. He wanted to sit, stick and move, stick and move. It's like, okay, great, stick and move. But it was stick and snooze. It was <sighs> is the fight over? It was doing, doing the Francesa? Yeah. I was just like, huh? What? All right, good. He got his belts back. You, you got your belts back against a guy who who told you in the post-fight press conference he couldn't handle getting a lifetime supply of Snickers. I wish I was joking. He goes, what am I supposed to do? They gave me a lifetime supply of Snickers. I don't know, Andy. Pass some out to your friends. You don't need to eat all of them. And AJ's great. It's a, it's it's a great moment. He got his he got his redemption. He got his redemption in record. He got his redemption in getting his belts back. But if we're gonna remember this rivalry, if we're gonna remember this rivalry, whatever the hell this is, try and tell me after their careers are up that you're not gonna remember Anthony Joshua getting knocked the hell out by Andy Ruiz more so than AJ boxing him up for twelve rounds. No way. And if you're telling me right now, what fight do I want to see more? The rematch between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury or the trilogy between Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua? It's not even close. It's not even close. If you put them on the same night, you're going to have Anthony Joshua waiting on his couch like Canelo Alvarez, sleeping, sleeping, waiting for those two to finish up before he makes his ring walk. So, look, congrats to AJ for getting the win. Congrats to him for boxing up Andy Ruiz and unmotivated Andy Ruiz, unbelievably. And Andy Ruiz swears, swears next time he's going to train harder. Can't believe him. Um, but from my standpoint, he's still third. He's still third in this race. Now, look, 
Things will change. If Tyson Fury goes out there and he boxes up Deontay Wilder, okay. That's fine. But you're boxing up Deontay Wilder. You know, you can understand that. He's got he's got nuclear bombs in his hand. Andrew Ruiz, he's not the finisher that 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 Deontay Wilder is. He's not. And the fact that you went out there and you you played it safe. You did good enough. You did great. On the scorecards, you did great. But I walked out and I was like, yeah, but he didn't he didn't make a statement. He could have made a statement in that fight, and he really didn't. The statement was, I'm champion again. Okay. But I'm still I'm 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 still in this position where I'm like, yeah, but you got all them belts, but you're not the man. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, the ticket. Welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here on the ticket. Anthony Joshua reta- uh, regaining his heavyweight championship yesterday, beating Andrew Ruiz by unanimous decision. The score is 118-110, 118-110, 119-109. Very lopsided fight. Deontay Water, uh, he did speak to the athletic and was not impressed by Anthony Joshua and his performance. He said Joshua did what he had to do to get the win. He ran around the ring like he was on his bike all day. Basically, he had Klitschko in camp, and he was a lot like Klitschko, the jab-grab-hold method. He did it all night. You want to go out there and dominate, guys, man. Maybe I'm just a little bit too rough, too hardcore, too much of a dream for this time and era. Maybe the world wants this nice bleep. Maybe my mentality is so different from these other fighters. But when I think of myself as a champion, as a champion, you want to come out there and whoop his ass. I'm not coming in after losing to a guy to just dance, grab, and jab and hold. I'm going to show the world and convince them that at my very best, that no one is close to me, especially with what's going on in the division right now and trying to prove who is the best. Joshua had many times he could have gone in there and finished the fight with his right hand. And when you land that right hand, you've tackled the distance. When you land that punch, you know that you're in the exact position for the second time around. But he was so hesitant, Joshua's mentality was to survive, the Klitschko method. The difference is my mentality is that of a beast, a warrior, a king, and an emperor, all those things. If he calls himself the king, he's just on the nicer side of it. This is a brutal sport, and that is how I treat it. I ain't showing no love for anybody in the ring. And I, I mean, like, I agree with everything that he says. I really do. Like, I think, I think, I think Deontay Wilder is spot on, and I believe him. I believe him. I, I, you think that, let me ask you something. When he gets in there, in, in in February against Tyson Fury. A Tyson Fury who a lot of people feel was was robbed. A, a lot of people think Tyson Fury that he sh- he won the majority of that fight um, and that the only place where Deontay Wilder, you could have said maybe he was robbed, was maybe that De- Tyson Fury didn't beat that count. But they feel like that shouldn't have been a draw, that Tyson Fury should have got his hand raised. But let me ask you something. Do you think Deontay Wilder, the next time around with Tyson Fury, is going to lose all this weight or gain all this weight or add all this muscle or go seek the advice of Vladimir Klitschko? And do you think that he's going to play it safer so that he doesn't get as pieced up by Tyson Fury from a boxing standpoint? No. No. He's probably going to take more chances. He's probably going to go out there and try and hit Tyson Fury more times to try and knock him out and convince people more. That's just how he is. That's just how he is. And he's done that in both of his rematches. You think back to Bermain Stavern where he won the WBC championship, the only guy to go the distance with him until Tyson Fury. The next time he faced him, he turned him into an internet joke. He turned him into a joke. And then the next time, takes on Luis Ortiz. After Luis Ortiz thoroughly outboxed him, 
still finished him late in that fight. He comes around, is basically just eating Ortiz's punches and his boxing and his jabs and all that stuff for six rounds. Seventh round comes, boop, over. That's just his mentality. And I think and I think a lot of people dig that. I think that Anthony Joshua had the backing of the boxing public for a long, long time. And I think he's losing it. I think he's losing it. I think he could have gotten a lot of it back. And a lot of people said, yeah, fluky. Fluky, fluky lost to Andy Ruiz. And maybe it was. But I think a lot of people left the early part of that fight and thought to themselves, oh, I, I watched round one of AJ versus Ruiz yesterday. I'm like, oh, this is going to be done in four or five rounds with, with how fast he is, how much faster he is than, than Andy Ruiz. And, you know, he just... He just never went in. And anytime there was that opportunity, you know, some may call it disciplined. I called it cautious. You know, different strokes for different folks, I guess. But I thought if you're the heavyweight champion of the world and you know you've trained harder than you ever have in your life, you got this revitalized body, you still fought like a guy who was a little bit afraid to get caught. You still fought like a guy who was afraid to get gassed against a guy who did not train against you. I don't think Wilder would fight that way. So some other things that went down this week. Let's get to this. We had uh, we had Jamal Charlo. He was taking on Dennis Hogan yesterday. Stopped him in the seventh round. I don't know if you guys saw this fourth round uppercut, but Dennis Hogan got he got he got somersaulted. I mean Jamal Charlo hit him with his uppercut early in the fourth. He got toppled over on his ass. Now look, Dennis Hogan's an absolute badass. Uh, first time he's been stopped in his career. Came up and wait for this fight. Um, definitely beat Jaime Munguia in his bout beforehand. McGee was uh, was you know in the back saying, "Yeah, I'll give you a rematch. I'll give you a rematch." Totally, total hose job, and you know never happened because it never happens. Um, so Hogan ended up taking on a a tough challenger, Jamal Charlo, who's who himself was looking to get people excited about him again, which I think he did yesterday with that stoppage of Dennis Hogan. It was a really really good performance by him. Uh, yesterday, you also had Tito Ortiz. He was in action against Alberto El Patron. He was uh, this was the wrestler. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, a.k.a. Alberto Del Rio. He uh, he won by first-round submission, choked his ass out. This was in uh, Combate Americas. Uh, this was this was their their broadcast. Now, I only saw this on Twitter. I was not buying that fight. Um, but I do know Masvidal was on the call for that fight. So I, 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 would, I wouldn't mind hearing some of the clips of what he was as a broadcaster. Uh, Did they have to use the dump button a lot? Or was I don't a, think so. Not? I think it was on pay-per-view, so I think they were cool. Oh, so he's letting the expletives so fly. So I think he, he's probably allowed to – he is probably allowed to let the expletives fly. But um, but yeah, Tito Ortiz got himself a win yesterday. So there's that. Speaking of speaking of Jorge Masvidal, this uh, there was interesting news this week from Dana White. He was on uh, 106.7 The Fan in Washington D.C. on Chad Dukes versus the World because UFC was in D.C. this week, and he was talking about why Conor is at 170 pounds. We talked about this the last week because Conor McGregor it was announced that he is going to be fighting. Uh, Cowboy Cerrone at welterweight, and I found it a bit strange. Like, well, why? Why is it at welterweight? What's the What's the point of it? Um, and our theory was mostly correct. Like, we we thought like the only reason that it's really at welterweight is well, they they probably figure, well, what's the point of cutting weight? Why 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 cut weight? What's the point? We're not fighting for a championship here. It's kind of a comeback fight for Conor McGregor. He's looking to get right, so why starve himself? Um, and that's what Dana White said. He says mainly because he doesn't want to cut the weight. Him and Cerrone have both fought at one seventy. He's hoping that he could beat Cerrone, turn around, and fight Habib as quick as possible. You know, I'll tell you something that was a little bit weird. I saw yesterday that Habib was at the fight in Saudi Arabia. They tweeted it out, 
but I don't feel like they ever showed him in camera. Now, mind you, I was at a gender reveal party, um, unfortunately. Just, you know, gender reveals, it's... it's you gotta do what you gotta do. I gotta gotta do what you gotta do. But thankfully, uh, my brother-in-law did put a... He did put up the zone up on his on his big screen, so I don't know if they ever showed him. But I know when they were going around the crowd, they showed Canelo a gazillion times. Um, they showed Usher. Usher was there for some reason, but I never felt like they 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 showed Habib. And I wonder if that was a little team petty because you know UFC with the whole Jorge Masvidal Nate Diaz thing, they they had to wait out UFC, so they didn't want to show Habib. But Habib, they they showed some of the Twitter videos. I do got a hero's welcome in Saudi Arabia, and so I was I was surprised they didn't they. To, to my knowledge, didn't show him on the screen, but maybe I missed it going in and out from the patio at one point. But I definitely didn't see him during the main event. I didn't see that at all. Um, but here's the interesting thing. So why does this locally matter, what he's saying to 106.7 in uh, D.C.? Uh, he said that Connor told me he definitely wants to fight Jorge Masvidal. So we'll see if that happens. Now, this is interesting because Dana White's a bit of a fly fisherman. He just kind of throws it out there. As you remember, he told TMZ, he said, Nah, Conor McGregor versus Jorge Masvidal. Jorge, way too big for him. A lot of us said, and I was like, really? This is where you're going to draw the line size-wise, Jorge Masvidal? Jorge Masvidal is not bigger than Nate Diaz. Now all of a sudden you're going to be like Conor McGregor is, is uh, now he can't take on welterweights? Well, this is, this is why Dana White is one of the best promoters on the planet. Think what you want about him, but he is a, he is a, he is a savvy, savvy cat, and he's crazy like a fox. He threw that out there because he knew how to bait his fish. And Conor McGregor, <laughs> hook, line, and sinker. He bought it. And now Conor wants to fight Jorge Masvidal to prove that uh, Jorge Masvidal is not too big for him. Now, listen. <laughs> that fight's bad news for Conor McGregor, man. That is a ba- no shot. I'm saying, you want to talk about right now, two guys going on, on, on different trajectories. Right now, Jorge Masvidal is on a rocket ship. And Conor McGregor... He's been coasting for a long time. I know Conor's accomplished a lot. This is not to disrespect what he's done in the UFC because he's done a lot. Been huge for the sport, one of the most important figures in the sport's history. But they are where they are right now. Jorge Masvidal is the baddest mother bleeper on the planet. He's got a damn belt around to, to, to prove it. And he just did to Jorge Masvidal what you uh, – he just did to Nate Diaz what Conor could never do, and that was finish him. Finish him in three rounds. Conor went the distance – he squeaked out a win over Nate Diaz. He did the Joshua thing. He just kind of ran away from him. He squeaked out. Squeaked out. You know, made sure he didn't gas out this time against Nate Diaz. Got a win. I think he won the Nate Diaz fight. I'm not one of these people that think he didn't win the rematch. I think he won the rematch. But he squeaked out a win over Nate Diaz. Jorge Masvidal made a medical professional say, this guy can't fight anymore. So, what it comes down to is, Conor McGregor versus Jorge Masvidal that, that's that, that's bad for Conor McGregor. It is bad. It's going to end up very poorly for him. But I want to see it. I want to see it very badly. I want to see the fight lead up. I want to see everything that's involved with that fight. But I think I think Jorge Masvidal is going to smoke him. I think he's going to smoke him quite easily. So I hope it happens. I'm excited to see that Conor is into that fight. I know that Jorge Masvidal wants that fight. I mean, he was talking about the Conor McGregor fight before the Nate Diaz fight. So, we'll see what goes down. Now, Conor's got this fight with the Cowboy Cerrone. Obviously, if he loses that, it's tough sledding for Conor McGregor from there on. I don't know where you go from there if you don't beat uh, Don Cerrone at this point in his career or at this point of, of uh, where he's at. And if you end up losing to him, which he very much could, uh, where does he go from there? But if he doesn't, 
you think about this, you say, okay, beats Don Cerrone. He wants to fight three times this year. Beats Don Cerrone. Say he comes back in the summertime, like June, July. That's a prime spot for Jorge Masvidal because, you know, maybe Masvidal is the Nick Diaz thing. Lines up about right where he would fight Conor McGregor in the summertime. And then you have Tony and Habib fighting in April. That lines up for about an end-of-the-year title defense. Maybe they're fighting each other, or maybe one of them is fighting either. uh, Maybe one of them will be open to fighting Conor McGregor. But I'll tell you one thing. If he does want to fight Habib, fighting Jorge Masvidal is not the right path to do that. That's going to end your path really quickly. So a little interesting tidbit that was thrown out there yesterday. We come back. We got to get to UFC 245 and a vicious knockout last night at the main event of UFC Washington, D.C. We'll get to that next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast it's fighters fury on am 790 the ticket welcome back everybody fighters fury here on the ticket a lot of text this morning 67974 driven by kennel toyota and west kennel toyota we'll get to a couple of these real quick Text writes in Masvidal is on Apollo 11. McGregor is on the Titanic before it hits the iceberg. That iceberg is named Jorge Masvidal. Very appropriate, sir. Uh, another texter writes in, Wilder's a one-trick pony. Joshua's afraid to get hit. Doesn't want to expose that weak-ass chin. Outside of maybe, just maybe Tyson Fury, none of these guys are real fighters. Lucky to be in this era. They would be exposed for the flawed fighters that they are past the great heavyweights. Maybe. I mean, here's the thing, though. Um, I don't really care. Like, that stuff doesn't matter to me too much 
in in regards to this, um, they're they're very entertaining guys. You know, Anthony's been a, AJ's been a little bit less so since uh, since winning that belt and and really getting a bunch of it. Like I'm trying to think of his most since the Klitschko fight, his his belt winner, which was an an all time classic. It was a really really great fight. You know, it, it's been lacking a little bit. It has been. I mean, the Joe Parker fight was was lackluster. It was a good performance. It was it was a great boxing showcase. That's why I was I was kind of confused why so many people were surprised that he needed like this great revolution as a boxer. You know, he's shown really, really good ability to fight in the pocket before against Joe Parker, who, you know, beat Adrian Ruiz, whatever you want to think of the de- the decision or not, but he did get his hand raised. Uh the Bavetkin fight was a good performance. Bavetkin's a strong guy, dangerous guy. Uh a little bit over the hill. But is is a dangerous opponent, no no doubt, and and cracked him early in that fight. Uh, but you think about like his you know Carlos Takam fight, like you know he went the he 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 got saved by a ref. Nah, I don't want to say saved, but the referee bailed him out to get a finish in that fight because Carlos Takam was going the distance with him, and you know it felt like the referee was there as a parachute. They're like, well, we don't want to be the people that went the distance with Carlos Takam. So yeah, the 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 guy, the the guy's performance as a title defender hasn't been the most inspiring. It hasn't been. He's got a good resume. He's built he's built up a lot of names. I said I said last week, out of Fury Wilder and Joshua, Joshua has the best resume. But you know he's also got probably the the, the most lackluster in ring performances. Like he's got the names, but as far as like wow moments that you remember. That he's lacking in against those three, and certainly against Wilder. Uh, and, you know, for for Wilder being flawed, yeah, we know. I, I mean, I know. I say this every time. Every time there's a Wilder fight, everybody goes, oh, he's, he's very flawed. But who cares? Who, yes, he's flawed, um, but he knows he's flawed, and he still goes out there and he finishes the job against guys who are better, quote-unquote, boxers than him and puts them all on the canvas. So you're not there to watch a boxing showcase with him. If you're telling me that amongst the greats that – none of them would ever get hit by any wilder shot. I think you're nuts. I think you're nuts that over a 12-round fight, you think that there's no shot he could hit any of the greats with that powerful right hand. Um, I mean, does he beat him the majority of the time? I don't know. But just to, to go out there and say that he couldn't go out there and get wins, I think is is a little bit silly. Is a little bit silly. So that's uh, those are some of the, the texts that are flowing in. Now, we got to say, uh, we got we got we got an interesting, interesting week coming up with UFC 245, Terrence Crawford's fighting next week. But before we get to that, I want to uh, mention this. So yesterday you had uh, Josino Rosenstrike. He was taking on Alistair Overeem in the main event. And, you know, it was an interesting It was an interesting learning experience for Rosenstrike, who's fought a lot this year. He's had a very, very good 2019. Alistair Overeem, you definitely could probably put him in the category of a gatekeeper now. Like, once you beat Alistair Overeem, everybody thinks you're kind of ready for the real contenders. Um, he's just not what he was. And this fight, you know, Alistair Overeem, here's the interesting thing. Like, this guy was a destroyer. This guy was known as one of the most feared strikers coming into the UFC. Obviously, someone that was probably enhanced, you know. <laughs> he goes, go look at those old photos. But either way, you fought in there against Alistair Overeem. You knew you are going to be in for a rough night. And... You know, this fight against Rosenstrike, he was kind of 
it, it was interesting. It was it was like watching the old wily vet try and pull out all the uh, the tricks on the young buck. You know, the takedowns, the 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 hitting up against the cage, the trips, all that stuff to to really avoid Rosenstrike getting off, feeling comfortable. Um, so Overeem, and I feel like he was having success. Needed a you know Rosenstrike needed himself a big shot to finish this fight, or he's probably going to lose on scorecards. And as the the seconds are ticking away in this fifth round, boom! He hits Alistair Overeem with a monster right hand that literally breaks the dude's face, busted open his lip. He looked like a catfish. It was ho- you guys remember Robbie Lawler versus Roy McDonald? Looked like that, except even a little bit more fragmented because Robbie Lawler's lip was like a little bit. It was a little bit cleaner, looking all jokery, but this one was like. He, he he hit that that face, and it went to pieces, to smithereens. Now, the, the finish was still a little bit weird because Reem gets up after taking the shot. He stumbles, and Dan Margliata, he lets him up, lets the fight continue, he stumbles. Then I think he gets a look at that catfish face, and he's like, all right, no, no more. Even a doctor doesn't have to tell me that. I stop. But it was very close. It was a very, very close stoppage. But here is where Rosenstrike made his mark, and that was he had himself a plan afterwards, and that was call out Francis Ngannou. And you want to talk, that's how you do a post-fight call out. Let me just say this. Rosenstrike, that's how you do a post-fight call out. All this nonsense that was going on with the Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz, give me a trilogy, yeah, it's uh, you, you heard we got to do a third, all that lameness that was going on after the heavyweight championship. Rosenstrike showed you how to do it. Oh, you want to know who I want to fight next? All right, I'm going to take on the most devastating striker in the heavyweight division, and I want him next. That's how you do it. So shout-out to Rosenstrike, Surinam Zone, a, a, a boy of our boy Tyrone Spongs. He's killing it in the UFC game, so good for him. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was a really, really awesome knockout. In in a in a in a learning experience, and he he even hit a bigger home run with the post fight call out. And Ganu uh, said that he heard him afterwards. You made yourself very clear. Congrats on your comeback. By the way, hashtag uncrowned champ. Hashtag UFC DC. Uh, sign me up for that fight asap. Now, look, if you're in Ganu, in all honesty, with where you are, with the streak that you're on, I don't know if you take that fight. I don't know. I don't know because. Rosenstrike at this point is a top 15 guy just, just clipping into the division. Um, so what is, if you're Francis Ngannou, like what is the benefit? You're not that far off from a title shot if you're Francis. Um, but Rosenstrike, just just putting him in the scope is so genius, is such a smart move, and really, really great job by him and his people to, uh, to, to pick that one clean out. So let's get to this. Let's get to UFC 245 next week. We have the welterweight championship of the world, Kamara Usman taking on Colby Covington. And this is big for a couple reasons for both of these guys. One, they're both in a position right now where they have a person in their weight class who people feel is bigger than the belt, and that is Jorge Masvidal. What they both need to do is they both need to go out here, win this fight, and they both need to call out Jorge Masvidal. To, to make it clear they're the guy. That has to happen. Now, from a marketing standpoint, Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal would be a much bigger fight than Kamaru Usman. 
unfortunately for Kamaro, he's in this weird spot where, like, he's just so difficult to take on. He's not He's not cringeworthy. He's not, uh, he's not like, he's not, a, he's not a heel. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. He's a good fighter. He's, 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 he's really, really difficult to beat. Really difficult. What he did to Tyron Woodley was very impressive. Um, seems to be just getting better as the as the competition's been. Uh, you know, he had this. I'll never forget it. He had this uh, this this fight against Emil Meek back in January 2018, and he was like, "Yeah, that was like 30 percent of me." I think some some to that effect. And Dana White ripped him to shreds because it was not an inspiring performance. And he took that. Had a really great performance against Damian Maya, a really great performance against Rafael dos Santos. Now, two guys that Kobe Covington has also beaten, um, and beaten soundly. They they only have one difference of opponent over their last three, and Colby beat Robbie Lawler, one of the most feared guys in the welterweight division of all time, and Usman beat the champ. You know they've had both interesting paths. There's been a lot of heat between these two guys. They don't like each other very much. You know the inch, the, the the incident at the Palms. Um, but they're also two guys who aren't necessarily the most comfortable in their own skin either. Like they're not going to go up there and, and rock the mic like a, a Conor McGregor or a Jorge Masvidal. You know, Masvidal is as comfortable as it gets in his own skin. Conor McGregor he obviously is, is great with the whole mic. These guys, they're, a lot of it feels forced. And a lot of it feels forced because they don't necessarily have that most pleasing style that everybody wants to go see. You know, the wrestlers, the guys who have unbelievable motors that just keep going. The thing that's going to be interesting about this, this is what's going to be interesting about this fight. Um, they're both so good at wrestling. They're both so good at wrestling. Who's going to be able to take the other down? And if it comes down to that, if we get into a striking match, both these guys can can put on a pace, but I feel like Colby's kind of got the advantage when it comes to putting on a little bit higher of a pace. Where maybe you look at Usman and he's he's maybe going to hit you a little bit harder. Colby just never stops. It's like watching him fight. Like put all put all the BS aside with his with his with his gimmick and all of that stuff. The truth of the matter is, Colby Covington's a really really good fighter. He's a very very good fighter. You know, it, it and, and I know it pisses a lot of people off, but he, but he is that performance against Robbie Lawler. You've never seen Robbie Lawler look so shook in a fight. And that's saying something. All right? Think about the monsters Robbie Lawler's been in there with. The the Johnny Hendricks, the Roy McDonald's, all these guys. The Tyron Woodleys. The Tyron Woodleys is a quick fight, obliterated. But you think about all the guys Robbie Lawler's been in there with his career. You've never seen him so hesitant. This is a guy who, he'll put his face into the buzzsaw to go and get a win. He basically did that against Roy McDonald. And Colby had him shook, man. Had him shook with all the shots that he was throwing out. And I look at both these guys, and I think to myself, what really can be the difference? And I, and I feel like they, they both, they're both very good in both similar places, but I feel like Colby can keep that pace up just a little bit better. And so I feel like he's going to come out with this thing on top. Now, he's obviously going to have a monster call out afterwards. I imagine that's going to be aimed towards Jorge Masvidal because he knows that's going to be the fight that's going to make him the most money, you know. Because I don't, I don't know if it's going to be Conor McGregor unless unless he challenges McGregor right away. Go beat Don Cerrone and then defend me against the belt. But um, either one of those, either one of those fights, uh, Colby, if he gets the if he gets the win, I feel like 
can set himself up for a big money fight against either Jorge Masvidal or Conor McGregor if Conor's able to get that win. Um, if Usman wins, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of like who wants to go who wants to go out there and feel like they can go and, and tassel with, with Usman. If he gets the better of Colby Covington in this fight, he's just he's so scary everywhere. Like he gets on top of you, he leans on top of you, he's he's punishing. He's the champ for a reason. He 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 really is just good everywhere. He doesn't have vicious knockout power. Um, so you're you're probably in for a long ride over five rounds. And he doesn't necessarily have this polarizing personality where you're gonna go make a hell of a lot of money going to fight Kamar Usman. It's quite frankly why, you know, you have Jorge Masvidal going out and calling out Nick Diaz and calling out um and and, and trying to set up for Conor McGregor is because you know, why are they staying so far away from, from the championship fight? It's not that he's scared to fight Kamar Usman, but, you know, it's like, well, yeah, but I'm going to go fight in there a guy who's not necessarily going to want to stand up with me. He's going to try and take me down. And so it's a tough matchup, and also nobody really knows the guy. So it's a it's a tough spot for, for Kamaro. You know, he's – he. but if he could go out there, if he could do something that really, really gets people pumped, this is one of those things where he can go out there – if, if either one of these guys, quite frankly, go out to get a big finish, um, I think I think it's a huge opportunity for both of them. But I feel like Kamaro needs it even more because he doesn't have the whole gimmick that gets people booing him inside the arena anyway. Uh, Kamaro needs to get people excited about watching what this guy can do in a cage, which for the most part is getting you in the cage and dominating you, uh, which he has to. I mean, look, he did that to Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley is maybe the greatest welterweight champion of all time. So... Let's not let's not act like it's some small feat. This guy is absolutely, absolutely great. Um, it's one of the hardest fights there is to call, I think, in the sport right now. Maybe outside of Habib versus Tony, I think that Colby versus Kamaru is a tough, tough matchup to call. Really tough, but I'm, I'm leaning towards Colby getting the win. Um, just because I, I feel like if it comes down to it, when you have two guys so good at everything, who's going to get tired? Colby Covington doesn't get tired. He doesn't get tired. Kamaru had some of that cardio stuff early in his career he seems like he's put that put that aside especially as the opponents have gotten tougher um but for me I, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead towards Colby getting the win in this one and I think that's gonna lead up for some 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 pretty big matchups when we get to you know Conor McGregor Jorge Masvidal all of that stuff you also have a stack card that night before we get out of here you have Max Holloway Alexander Volkanovsky uh, Volkanovski's really, really good, man. He is, he's really, really talented. There's obviously a huge, huge size discrepancy here. Um, the one thing I'll say when you take on a guy like Max Holloway, it's a lot like, for me, it's almost like featherweight John Jones. Like, he's just built differently for this division. And I think we saw he didn't quite have that when he took on a Dustin Poirier. But... He's obliterated, folks, man. Like he's gone in there since winning this championship, and it's been it's been steamrolling fools. I just don't know what Volkanovski has for him. You know, I don't know what he has from a standpoint of really going out there making Max Holloway feel uncomfortable. I just feel like he's going to steamroll him and get himself another victory pretty easily. And then you have the goat, the lady goat, Amanda Nunes taking on Jermaine Duran to me. For the bantamweight championship, um, I just Amanda's at a different level. 
She's at a different level than everybody else. She's so damn good. Nobody comes close to her. And I just feel like this is an easy bout for her. Can they ever force someone into retirement for being so good? I just feel like anybody that they put in front of her, she's just going to beat. I just, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know who the hell they could throw, throw like, like in front she, of Amanda. She's like at an Anderson Silva, like, late 2000s yeah, yeah, yeah. era. Like, just a, no she, one's going to beat her. She's in a spot right now. It, it really doesn't feel. And I don't know And I don't know how many more fights she has. She's, she's hinted at retirement a little bit. I don't know what accomplishments lie in front of her anymore. Because she's not only beaten the best of the best, she's beaten like, you know, she's beaten other champs. She's beaten Valentina Shevchenko twice, close as they were. She's beaten Ronda Rousey. She's beaten Chris Cyborg. There's really not many more accomplishments for her to go get, other than let's just rack up uh, a bunch of a bunch of wins and elongate the record and make it never touchable. But it's tough. She's cleaned it all out. She is she is supreme, man. She is supreme. She is something special. She really is. Uh, Marlon Marais taking on Jose Aldo. A lot of people upset about this fight, that Jose Aldo's fighting at 135 pounds. If you guys have seen the pictures of Jose Aldo, looking very skinny, looking very scary. Why is he, you know, there were people saying, he used to have issues making 145. Why is he doing 130? Why, why is he doing 135? Uh, he's definitely getting that pre-weight cut, weight loss down. Uh, Conor McGregor came out, though, this week and he put he put a very strong defense on Jose. Said he's doing it the right way. He's doing it the right way. He's not going out there and he's not trying to cut it all the week of. So if anybody knows, Connor knows. Uh, that kind of that kind of put pause on me. But you know, Marlon Marais coming off that that loss to Henry Cejudo, where he was going in there trying to win the vacant bantamweight championship that was stripped of T.J. Dillashaw. Um, I'm gonna go with Jose. You know what? I feel like this is going to be the redemption story for Jose Aldo. Marlon Marais got pummeled in that fight against Henry Cejudo. Don't know how he's going to recover. And I think Jose is going to surprise the people with this fight. I think he is. And then Peter Yan versus Uriah Faber. I mean, phew. this Uriah Faber is about why, why at his age he wants to go take on a killer like Peter Yan is, is beyond me. But um, that's just the California kid, man. But I feel like Yan is, uh, is just in the midst of the prime of his career right now. This is a really good card next week, quite frankly. Just looking over it. You know, Mike Perry, Jeff Neal's on this card. You got Matt Brown, Ben Saunders on this card. Chase Hooper, by the way. Chase Hooper, friend of the show. Chase Hooper, who we, we had in there. The, the Teenage Dream. Now, I think he changed his nickname because he's officially 20. But Chase Hooper, you guys want to check out a kid. We've seen this guy fighting Tyson, Titan FC. We had him in studio one time. He's an impressive young man. So he's on the early prelims on Fight Pass. Check him on out. But that is a great, great card coming up next week. Um, but I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Covington via decision, Max Holloway stopping Volkanovski, and Amanda Nunes stopping Jermaine Durandamy, Jose Aldo, Peter Yan also getting the wins. And then uh, Terrence Crawford fights next week against a dude whose name I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Um, good luck. Uh, our boy George Cambosis is going to be on there fighting on that card. He is uh, He's absolutely dynamic. Teofilma Lopez is on that card taking on Richard Comey. Teofilma Lopez is a, is a star in the making, if you guys want to check that out on ESPN. Mickey Conlon's going to be on the fight, taking on Vladimir uh, Nikitin. So you can check that out as well. Really, really fun night of fights next Saturday. We're looking forward to recapping it all. We will talk to you guys next week and enjoy.